In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My dear brothers and sisters, do you remember the day of your baptism? Maybe if one of you is an adult, you may remember that, if you were baptized as an adult. But do you remember yours? You're probably a little baby, right, in mom's and dad's arms with your godparents. And on that day, you received the greatest gift of your whole life, the gift of your salvation, the gift of being purified from all sin, your original sin, and if you're an adult, your actual sin. You received the grace of God to become a temple of the Holy Spirit. You received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom and understanding, knowledge and counsel, fortitude, piety, fear of the Lord. You became a member of the body of Christ, a member of the church. You were given in that moment the grace of salvation, the grace, the gift that comes from God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, of eternal life. By far the greatest day of your life. And yet, most of us were little tiny babies when we received that gift. We don't even remember the day. Or maybe we now remember the day. I know I was baptized on June 9th. But three weeks after being born, I don't have a clue of who else was there or what else happened. We receive that gift as a gift from God. There are some of our Christian brothers who say, you shouldn't do that to babies. You should wait until they're old enough so that they can profess their faith. That's baloney. I mean, the receiver of a gift is never the one who tells the giver when to give it. A gift is given by the person who wants to give it out of the love and generosity of their own heart. And the receiver receives it and should say thank you. The gift of baptism is a gift that God the Father has wanted to give us through Christ his Son so that we could enter into, once again, his divine life, to restore what was lost and to give back to us the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of participating in God's life, in his grace. Grace is nothing other than God's life in us. When we live in grace, it's because we have God within us as temples of the Holy Spirit. So it's not up to us. That's why in the New Testament, we see that when Cornelius was converted to the faith, he had his whole household baptized because he recognized this is a gift from God for all of us. And I'm not going to keep it from my children when I know that God wants to give them this gift of washing away their sins and giving them new life, recreating us, restoring us, renewing us. It's a marvelous gift from God. No matter what other gift you received in your whole life, nothing can compare to the gift that God has given us through this gift of baptism, to become members of his body, members of Christ, and to share in his divine life. In your baptism, the most important moment was when the priest or the deacon, the minister, either poured water over your forehead three times or immersed you three times into the water and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In that moment, you were adopted, so to speak, by God. You became his son or daughter. You received the cleansing of all sin in your life. You were full of grace, just like the Blessed Virgin Mary 
when the angel came to her and said, Hail, full of grace. In your baptism, the angel could say to you, Hail, full of grace. It's a marvelous gift. And then there were some secondary rites that took place. You know, after the main part of the baptism, once you're baptized, then the church expresses this faith with the secondary rites. For example, we have the candle that's lit to remind us that we've received the light of Christ and now that light should shine in us for the world to see. We have the white garment. Children are baptized with a white garment and then the priest says, uh, may you carry this white garment unstained into heaven. Probably most of us have stained it a little bit. Or a lot. Right? That's why, thanks be to God, he gave us you know, a washing machine called confession. So that white garment could be restored again and cleansed again and again and again and again and again. Uh, because we often stain it because of our weaknesses and our sins. Then there's the chrism that's put on the head of the child. And it's a sign of that gift of the Spirit, which, which will be later confirmed through the Holy Chrism in confirmation. And then we have this sign that we hear today in the Gospel. As I said, you probably don't remember because you were just a little baby. But the priest or the minister touched your ears and your mouth and said, May the Lord who makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. Open your ears to hear his word and your mouth to proclaim his gospel, the truth. Ephatha is the word used here by Christ. Ephatha, be opened. Be open to receive this gift. Be open to share this gift with others. May your ears be open to hear and understand and know the word of God, the gift of God for you. And may your mouth be open to proclaim it, to share it, to bring it to others around you. Because this gift of the Father is a gift that he wants for all his people. Ephatha. And in this text, Jesus with this man, he touches his finger, put his fin puts his finger in his ears, spits and touches his tongue. They're visible, tangible signs that we can relate to. That's what the sacraments are. The sacraments are visible signs of invisible grace. The sign of baptism is the water and the pouring and the words, but the invisible grace is the cleansing of our souls and the gift of new life, the gift of grace. The visible sign of the Eucharist is the bread and the wine, but the invisible grace is then Christ transforms that, the Holy Spirit does, into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior. And so, there's something much more. It's no longer bread and wine. It's God himself who comes to be with us. In confirmation, the holy oil is the sign with the sign of the cross, but the invisible grace is the Holy Spirit that strengthens us and confirms us in the faith to be witnesses to the truth. God uses things that we can understand, tangible things, sensible things, touchable things, visible things, because he knows we need that as humans. If we just were left off to ideas, it's lost somewhere out there. He wants us to experience a relationship that we can understand in a tangible way. Eating the body and blood of Christ is something very tangible, obviously. 
being baptized, being cleansed, all these external signs, Christ uses them because he entered into our world in order to allow us to enter in to his. He came to share our human life in order to give us the gift of sharing his divine life. What had been originally his plan in creation, which was lost by sin, he came to restore so that we could share in this life with him forever. It's prophesied right here in the first reading by Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Your God comes with vindication, with divine recompense, he comes to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be cleared, the lame will leap like a stag, and the tongue of the mute will sing. Streams will burst forth in the desert, rivers in the steppe, burning sands will become pools, thirsty grounds, springs of water. All of these are signs of newness, of life, of renovation, of being restored, of, of God giving us this gift of his divine life, which wants to well up within us so that we can share it with others. In the second reading, St. James said, My brothers and sisters, show no partiality. As you adhere to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Christ has given us this gift. As we adhere to this gift that he's given us, now let's live it according to what he commanded us. Love others as I have loved you. Show no partiality. Don't distinguish between one person and another or if they've got gold rings and fine clothes or if they're in rags. It doesn't matter their race, their color, even their creed. As a Christian, you are called to love them as sons and daughters of God. You know, we see the world so divided with so much war and so much discrimination and so many things that we hear on the news all the time that the answer is right here. Christ came to restore God's life in us. We are now members of his body, and we are called to share that life with others by living in a way that is worthy of the gospel. And thus, right here, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account, it doesn't matter all these external things that the world puts importance on. What matters is that every human being, every man and every woman, is a son or daughter of God created by him to share in his divine life. And that if we would live our Christianity to the full, we could change the world from its hatred, its discrimination, its wars. Sadly, we fail. I know I do. We fail at this all the time. You know, show no partiality. How often do we fail at that? How often do we judge one another? How often do we criticize what this person or that person did, whether it's the Pope or the, or the person that we see on the street? You know? We're so easy because of our pride to fall into to envy, to hatred, to lustful thoughts towards others, to whatever it might be. Our anger, our human weakness, our failures, our, our, our fallen nature oftentimes drags us away from living the fullness of the gift that we have received undeservedly from God. 
And we should ask ourselves, do I really understand that gift? And am I willing to allow it to permeate my heart, my mind, my thoughts, my judgments, my actions, so that it wells up within me and transforms me from being that sinful, fallen human being into being that undeserved but grateful son or daughter of God, heir of the kingdom, meant to share in his divine life for all eternity. Because I'm the dumb, deaf, mute here. No, not dumb in the sense of stupid, which we've used that word now to say that. Dumb means someone who has a speech impediment and, and can't uh, pronounce words properly. So the deaf mute, the Lord who opens the ears of the deaf and makes the dumb speak. That's you and me. He's opened our ears to receive this gift. He's opened our hearts to be filled with his love. He's opened our mouth to share it, to proclaim it to the, to the world. If Christians would truly be what we're called to be, this world would be a different place. Oftentimes people reject us because they see in us that we're not living it the way we should. How oftentimes do we hurt one another within our own families, our spouse or our children or our parents or our brothers and sisters, or we fight and we argue? How often do we have to ask forgiveness? Thanks be to God that we do. But yet, I believe firmly that the answer the world needs is right here. Jesus Christ came to save the world. It was prophesied, here is your God, he comes to save you. And here's Jesus fulfilling the prophecy, giving the gift, and wanting everyone to share in it so that the world can receive from the Father what it was destined to receive from the beginning, which is a share in his divine happiness, his divine life for all eternity. I think we can do it because God does. God must have faith in us. If he was willing to send his son to die for us to restore us to new life and give us the gift and the opportunity to correspond to his love by then fulfilling his commandment to love one another as he has loved us. Are we sinners? Yes, I know I am. Do we fall? Yes, we do. I know I do. Do we ask, need to ask forgiveness constantly? Yes, of course. But can we attain this on our own? By our own muscle? No. But with the grace of God that's in our soul as sons and daughters of him, trusting in his mercy and his love and sharing it with those around us? Yes. We can. Yes, you can. Maybe not everyone has an ambo, a podium, a TV show, or some place where they Now a lot of people use YouTube and they get their message out there somehow or another. But that doesn't matter. You can make a difference in the three feet that's around you by being the son or daughter that God wants you to be. You can make a difference to the person that's sitting next to you on the left or the right, the person that's sitting in front of you or behind you, the person you meet every day, your children, your husband, your wife, whoever it is that's in your life right now, you make a difference there by being 
the son or daughter of God that you were created and called to be. You don't need to be the most popular person in the world to make a difference. You need to be faithful and true and sincere and strive to be the son or daughter that God wants you to be, wherever you are, with whoever you are. This will make a change. Some might say, wishful thinking, Father, that's not going to happen. The world's lost. It's a pain. It's ridiculous. Even my own heart is broken. I don't know what to do. It's not you. It's in your weakness that is your strength because it's God in his grace who will give you what you need to be the son or daughter he wants you to be. At the end of this gospel, they say this about Jesus. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, he has done all things well. In your baptism, you became a member of Christ, a body, the body of Christ. And so now it is Christ, as St. Paul says, who lives in you. No longer you, but he who lives in you. And so they should be able to say of you, he or she has done all things well. In other words, he or she has allowed this gift from God to permeate their soul in such a way that it overflows with divine love, with divine grace, with mercy. So I should ask myself, am I willing to forgive the way he forgave me? Am I willing to give to others in need the way he has given to me? Am I willing to fulfill what he is asking of me in my life, his will for the glory of the Father and the salvation of souls as he did for me to the point of death on the cross? Because it's no longer me. I have received from God, even when I didn't even know it, this marvelous gift, which has then been nurtured by my parents and my grandparents and those around me, and that's why I'm sitting here today in church before God, because he's given me this gift of divine life, and he's going to nurture it with himself in the Eucharist, and he wants me to share this gift with those around me, not to bury it, not to hide it, not to cower from the world. Better to die a martyr than a coward. Let's ask God to give us the grace to understand what we have received and why we have received it so that we can give it generously to those around us. That's the love of God in your heart, in your soul, which is not only for you, but for everyone you come into contact with. Let's ask ourselves today, do I understand that? Do I get it? Or am I lost somewhere thinking something else is more important? All these passing stupidities of the world, power, fame, money, or whatever you want to call it, than this gift, which is the greatest gift of my life because it's eternal life. And then am I willing, ready to go out and share it, not forcefully, but joyfully, because I understand, wow, this is it. This is the meaning of it all. And I am rejoicing in the Lord and want to share this with those around me. And the psalm said, praise the Lord, my soul. 
I hope it does. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.